Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Here you go. Here you go. Now what? Now what? Nothing personal phrase of the day. August 11th, 2020 is now what? We did an entire segment on yesterday's Nothing Personal about the Big Ten, the purported vote that was 12 to 2 to cancel the fall season of football. We said that Nebraska and Iowa had dissented. We went through Jim Harbaugh's statement saying, why can't everyone do what we did? Then we got news that there was no vote. A Big Ten spokesman actually responded to a request by the media saying, I don't know what everyone's talking about. There was no vote. And we get word today that the Big Ten, wait for it, the Big Ten has canceled its fall football season. The same conference that released a schedule upon the cancellation by the Big Sky and the Ivy Leagues, the same conference that has coaches swearing up and down that football's safe. Nebraska spent time after yesterday's leak of the president's call, having their head coach come out and say, we will play. We will play out of conference if we have to. We have a medical director. We've got proof that it is safe for the players to play. We want to coach. We want to play. We will play. Where's the word from the coach about the reality of fall football, the reality of life on campus, the reality of what's happening with COVID? This is not, again, me saying I don't want college football. I want to be able to watch the Badgers play. You know I'm a Badger. You know I want to see Michigan lose every game they play and Ohio State and Nebraska. I guess I have to root for Rutgers because I like Jonathan Holloway. But explain to me how in good conscience, Jim Harbaugh and Scott Frost say what they said, knowing that their own president had just voted. Scott Frost knows his president voted to play, so he felt it was open season. But Jim Harbaugh knew that his president voted not to play. And then he comes out with his own statement. What is the message to the players? Why is there so much confusion going on? Because there's not enough communication. When you are running a college football program, I don't care if it's a $1 million program or a $1 billion program. I don't care if there's boosters who give you $10 million a year to hobnob in the locker room after a game or $5 million to put their name on a water cooler. When you're dealing with health issues, The players come first and they don't always know what's best for them. By definition, you are their parent. The president of a university has the responsibility to take care of all of the students, not just the football players, to take care of the professors. 
I don't understand why people think dividing and conquering works. Oh, you know what, Coca? I know exactly why coaches think dividing and conquering works. Because they believe that if they can have the last word, that they can then influence players and boosters and the public enough that presidents of universities will be swayed by that drivel. It's not going to happen. When you ascend to that level of leadership, page two of the leadership handbook is that sometimes you're forced to make unpopular decisions in the best interests of the people for whom you are making the decision. Page one of the leadership playbook is that you learn both sides of an issue, no matter if it's a marketing issue, a sales issue, a finance issue, a health issue. You learn both sides of the issue. You then speak to your inner circle. Then you make a decision. Then you stand by that decision. The Big Ten presidents got on a call, and I'm going to say they did vote 12 to 2. Right away, Northwestern, a school I know very well. The president of their school is a man named Morty Shapiro. Morty Shapiro is a... uh, an eccentric, eclectic, brilliant president who runs one of the top schools in the country. He immediately came out as chairman of the Big Ten Council of Presidents and said our primary responsibility is to make the best possible decision in the interest of, is this a joke, Coca? Hold on. Okay, no one's, who's going to believe this? Here's how this worked. I just told you what I think presidents do. Then Coca drops a quote in the show of a statement that Morty Shapiro just made. You can't make this up. Our primary responsibility, Coca, is this real? This can't, this is, this is it, right? Okay, we're going with it. Our primary responsibility is to make the best possible decisions in the interest of our students, faculty, and staff, said Morty. The mental and physical health and welfare of our student athletes has been at the center of every decision we have made regarding the ability to proceed forward, continued the Big Ten commissioner. As time progressed and after hours of discussion with our Big Ten task force for emerging infectious diseases and the Big Ten Sports Medicine Committee, it became abundantly clear that there was too much uncertainty regarding potential medical risks to allow our student athletes to compete this fall. Let me just say this. Ever heard of Eduardo Rodriguez, the pitcher for the Red Sox, who got COVID and he's out for the season because of myocarditis, enlargement of the muscle of the heart? There's a possibility that people who suffer from COVID could end up having myocarditis, myocarditis. That's not the sniffles, folks. That's not sneezing and coughing. And all the people who made fun of me here at Nothing Personal for telling you that the college football season was not just in jeopardy, but was very unlikely to happen, was not me having a self-fulfilling prophecy. It was me reading, studying, listening, thinking, imagining what it is to be a president, thinking what I would do with my players, with my students, what I would want done with my children. It's not even a question. The, the conferences who continue to come out, forget Nebraska, I don't even want to talk about Coach Frost. He's an embarrassment. 
Can you imagine? I'm gonna let's watch this. Let's watch this play out. So the Big Ten cancels its football season, but Nebraska, because in their inimitable brilliance of wanting to do what's right and safe, thinking that the best place for a player is in the football stadium on the field. First of all, that coach doesn't know one thing about anything. The expression we used to say, this is, this is going to have to be bleeped, Coca, but we're saying it because I want you guys to hear. When Mike Hill and I, or Larry Beinfest and I, the president of baseball operations with whom I worked, we would talk about certain agents or certain players or certain other team presidents or certain things that would go on. And we would say, he doesn't know shit about shit. And the reason why that's such an apt statement is that when you've got a coach coming out, following the lead of his players, who are kids, forget the fact that they get millions of dollars when they're drafted. Forget the fact that they're on national TV. Forget the fact that people on campus think they're role models. Forget the fact that everyone wants to be like them, look like them, be a part of their lives. They're kids. And for them to come out and say, and I don't know Trevor Lawrence, I admit it, but he comes out and talks about what I discussed yesterday, that being on campus in football is the best thing. The job as president and as commissioner is not to pay one ounce of attention to statements like that. Scott Frost, what are you going to do? Come on the show. Make a statement now. Give an interview right now. Go on a network. Tell me what you're going to do with your Nebraska students after your conference voted 12-2 not to play. I want to see it. I want to see you speak to the parents of the kids. I want to see it. It's not the only conference that's having issues. The ACC came out and they paraded out. Can you, first of all, I'm taking a deep breath. Politicizing COVID is a mistake. And the reason that it's a mistake is that viruses don't know whether you are red or blue. Viruses don't care whether you're red or blue. Viruses don't care about a re-election cycle. They don't care one iota about TV deals, sponsorship deals, merchandise deals, draft priority, slotting, free agency, they don't care. A virus's job is to attach itself to whatever it can to live, survive, and thrive. Not unlike what we do. But yet, you can always find a doctor to say something that is in the best interests of the people he or she serves. How this worked in baseball is the following. And I was a quarter guilty of this. There's a big category in baseball that is for sale. There's an automotive category. You get a car deal. You want to go with the company that's going to give your scouts cars, that's going to give your executive cars. You want to go with the car deal with a company that's going to give you some cash, but a really nice car for you to drive. Then you get a banking sponsor. You want to go with the bank who's going to lend your owner money. You want to go in with a bank who's going to lend you money to help build a stadium. You want to go with a bank who's going to do your banking as a team and personally for reduced fees, if not no fees. There's another category. It's called the sports medicine provider category. It's a seven-figure category. 
it is very common for teams to do deals with medical providers where part of the deal is that that medical provider will be a sponsor of the team in return for saying they're the official sports medicine provider for the team, for the university. And anytime there's an injury, when you need an MRI, when you need a cast, when you have an ankle sprain, when you have a knee injury, a surgery, a concussion, anything, you go to those medical providers because they get to put pictures up in their, in their lobby. They get to put framed uniforms of college students or professional players. They get to have athletes walking around the office in the days of pre-COVID. But what happens if the biggest deal you can find are providers who aren't the best? When we were moving into the new stadium, we had two groups of providers, the University of Miami and Baptist Health, both phenomenal medical providers. We couldn't have gone wrong either way. Our team doctor, Dr. Lee Kaplan, who's been on CBS Sports HQ a couple of times. Baptist Health at that time was run by a man named Wayne Bracken, who I spent time negotiating with. They had great orthopods, great surgeons below them here in South Florida. I was negotiating with both, trying to get the most money I could after I had decided, along with consultants, that either way we went, the doctors were going to be good and they were going to do what was right for the player. What do I mean by that? When we have our doctors give physicals to players, entrance physicals, exit physicals, when we do physicals, when we're going to make a trade. I don't want a doctor who's going to do anything other than tell me exactly what's going to happen, when it's going to happen, and then let me make a choice. You can tell me when we're acquiring Henderson Alvarez of the Toronto Blue Jays that his elbow is hanging on by a string or that Uget Urbina, when he's being acquired by the, I can't remember who we acquired Uget Urbina from with the Marlins, Texas Rangers. We had to trade Adrian Gonzalez to get him in 2003. You can tell me that his arm is locked up. I knew the player. We had him in Montreal. You can tell me that he's got loose bodies. You can tell me that generally you would fail him, and then I decide. What I can't have is a doctor who's afraid to talk because of money or who I can influence because they report directly to me. I won't permit it. It's a violation of every moral and ethical strand that should be in every president's body. How come there are ACC doctors who are going public? ACC, the conference that we've talked about along with the SEC, two of the power five who haven't said a word other than we're playing, we're in, let's go. ACC doctors are being paraded out like floats in the Thanksgiving Day parade, hung up by strings saying, yes, the players can play. It's safe to play. College football is great. They're sending letters to senators and they're going to the media saying, we need football. It's good. We're doctors. We promise. Really? Really? The way this unravels now, and this is an official wait to see, the original wait to see for today's show was that if the Big Ten cancels, that means that the SEC will be forced to cancel fall football as well. My wait to see is when I tell you things are going to happen, and if they happen, I'll remind you they happened. If they don't, I'll remind you I was wrong. I'm happy to remind you either way. My wait to see today is, given that the Big Ten has canceled, 
even the SEC is going to be forced to cancel fall football. Now, when you talk about canceling fall football, what the Big Ten is going to try now, and you're going to see this is the new reality, let's go for spring football. Let's just move everything back. Let's get in touch with the networks. Let's get in touch with all the people who pay us the money. Let's hope we can have students in the stands and let's play in the spring. It's interesting. So if you're playing in the spring and you have a chance to go pro, why is it that you would play in the spring again? Why would you take the risk? Or does it not matter to the coaches and the doctors because they just need to play because they need the money and want the money? Hmm. What happens if players have the right to opt out? Will they? Can they? What happens if players want to transfer? I'm picturing all these players who want to play in the Big Ten. What about the Nebraska players? What if the Nebraska president says no games? But yet the SEC continues and all of a sudden all these players want to get out of Nebraska and into Bama, let's say. Coca, is Bama in the SEC? I may have that wrong. I always get confused. But let's say they do. What are the rules? Wait for it. We're going to get a statement soon. I think it's coming now. Coca, do you have it? The statement from the NCAA. Right. No, the NCAA. Oh, you don't know this? Coca. Oh, our listeners don't know. Okay. The NCAA is the governing body of all of college sports. Yeah. And no, they haven't said a word. They're watching conferences go back and forth like a seesaw, like a teeter-totter. We'll play. We won't play. Spring, fall, winter, spring, summer, and fall. All you have to do is call. I'll be there. Shh. Do you hear them? Do you hear the NCAA? Shh. This is them. This is them coming off the mountaintop to give a little guidance. Here it is. That's their guidance. Nothing. What about the players in Major League Baseball who keep going out at night? You know that you were going to go out at night. Yesterday, we talked about Zach Plezak. He was out in Chicago, got sent home. And I said, well, he may not miss a start. He can start when the Indians return, but he's going to miss the series in Chicago when he wasn't supposed to play. Well, wouldn't you know that word came out late yesterday that Mike Clevenger, yes, the number two starter behind Shane Bieber, Mike Clevenger of the Indians was with Zach Plezak when they went out Saturday night. (gasps) Teammates went out together? It's unheard of. That would never happen. Not during the time of COVID. Not when you're on the road in Chicago. Don't be ridiculous. Yep, Mike Clevenger went out with Zach Plezak. The Indians found out and they sent Clevenger back to Cleveland to quarantine. But guess what? He's missing a start. Guess what I'm doing if I'm the president of the Indians? I am fining him one thirteenth of his prorated salary thinking that he is missing one out of his 13 starts for behavior becoming unbecoming of a major league player. 
oh, there's a collective bargaining agreement. There's a maximum amount of a fine that a team can impose. And players do that with their meal money. They laugh. I wonder if Clevenger's laughing when he has to tell his teammates who are all hitting 196 with the worst batting average in Major League Baseball, and I'm totally making that up, but I think I'm right, that their team batting average is 196, 30th in the league. Their pitching has been tremendous, which is why they're even in the American League Central race, trying to keep up with Minnesota. A little bit of Chicago. Clevenger has to look at his teammates. Plezak has to look at his teammates. But do you think his teammates are going to get on him? Do you think his teammates are going to say, hey, man, that's just wrong. That's wrong. You're selfish. Teammates are going to do that because they all live in the same glass house. The only way to stop players from going out on the road is to put them in a bubble. Hard stop. Period. End of story. I don't feel badly for Cleveland. I really don't. I really don't. So what am I doing as president of a major league baseball club when I've got two teams that have missed a majority a lot of the season with an outbreak? I've got two players who are going out getting caught that I'm forced to quarantine. I've got uncertainty regarding my team going forward. I've got to sit with my team on a daily basis and try to remind them, and it makes me feel crappy because I feel like I'm talking down to the players and I don't ever want to do that. I didn't like doing that. I don't like treating them like children. I want to treat them like men because they're men. I don't want to be their parent. I want to be their leader. You have no choice but to come down on your players who go out. And if you want to make an example, sometimes you have to, even when it's your best players. That's something that was always hard to do as a team president, to make example. By the way, make an example of your bench players or the 10th man in your bullpen or your number eight starter. You don't need to be on the Mount Rushmore of team presidents to do that. Make an example of your all-star, of your highest paid player, of your most important pitcher. Do something that is guaranteed to hurt the competitiveness of your team to make a point. If I'm the president of the Oakland A's, I'm pretty damn frustrated right now. If I'm the owner of the Astros, I'm pretty damn pissed right now. Yesterday, we told you what would happen to Alex and Tron and to Loriano of the A's, he charged the bench yesterday. Well, suspensions got handed out both to Ramon Laureano and to Alex Cintron. Alex Cintron remembers the hitting coach for the Astros who said, you want to fight? You want to fight? And Ramon Laureano charged the bench. Three Astros got in front of Cintron. There was an all-out melee. We knew suspensions would come. But interestingly enough, here's what they are. Loriano, six games. Cintron, 20. 20 games for the hitting coach. Why did Loriano only get six games? The answer is contained in Major League Baseball's health and safety protocols. Those protocols inform the commissioner. It's not Chris Young, the head of discipline. This is the commissioner along with Dan Hallam, the deputy commissioner. 
running baseball operations and labor. The protocols say that any suspension levied to a, levied to a player for on-field behavior must have precedent with previous on-field suspensions for similar behavior. But when it comes to hitting coaches or coaches or managers, all bets are off. The last 20-game suspension for an altercation like this was Kenny Rogers. Do you remember that? Islands in the stream, Kenny Rogers, Dolly Parton, anybody? The gambler? Kenny Rogers was suspended 20 games for a physical confrontation with two cameramen back in 2005. This is the longest suspension since then for a coach or player in an on-field altercation. Cintron will not get to appeal. The Astros will survive without Cintron. The A's will have to play without Loriana, who I expect to appeal and play tonight. And I expect that his suspension will go from 60 games to five games. And Cintron's will stay at 20. I'm waiting to hear whether or not Dusty Baker or Bob Melvin got suspended. There's precedent for that. Dave Roberts was suspended a game when the Joe Kelly threw at the Astros. The theory there is that players don't act on their own. It is possible that Bob Melvin gets away without a suspension because in a fight, in a brawl, when he charged the mound or charged the bench, in theory, that had nothing to do with the manager. But let me tell you why in this case, if I'm the commissioner, I am suspending Bob Melvin and Dusty Baker. Do you know why Loriano was upset? Do you remember from yesterday's show? He had been hit three times in a series against the Astros. And the reason he had been hit is that Mike Fires of the Astros, who's now of the A's, was actually the one who started all the issues. When you're going into a series against a team, A's and Astros, Every time you go into a series, there are meetings that take place. You have meetings with the offense going over the opposing team's pitching. You have meetings with the pitching pitchers going over the opposing team's hitters. But you also have full team meetings when you're going into a series where there is some level of history that likely will be dealt with. When you believe there could be a brawl or when you believe that you are going to ask your pitcher to hit your hitter or when you believe that your hitters are going to be hit. We talk about it as executives. We go to the clubhouse and have these conversations. Did the A's actually think that there was going to be no possible retribution to the Oakland A's and Mike Fires? You can't hit Mike Fires because he's a pitcher. Bob Melvin knew exactly what could be coming from the Astros, and his job is to tell his players no matter what. You do not charge the mound. We will not brawl. If you're Dusty Baker, your job is to say, hit him. We're going to hit you. We're going to hit the A's. That's worthy of a suspension. And if Dusty Baker comes out and says, hey, I specifically told my players not to issue a code red. And they always listen to me. But if they always listen to you, then why? Was the code red given? Anybody? 
Rob Reiner, a few good men, Jack Nicholson. That's real. That actually happens in baseball. When you talk to your players and you tell them what's going to happen and you expect them to listen to you. And when they don't listen to you, you know that you shouldn't get in trouble, but you're still going to. The A's Astros situation could have been avoided and it wasn't and it's unfortunate and we only can cross our fingers and hope not only that there was no COVID spread, but that maybe the Astros situation is done. They took care of fires. They took care of the Astros, the Dodgers did. Maybe the Yankees and the Red Sox will have something to say when they play the Astros. I'm hoping not. I should have had this information for you and I apologize. I don't know whether the Yankees have played the Astros yet. I don't think they will play them, actually. They're only playing the AL East and the NL East. So which means the Yankees and Red Sox will not play the Astros. Only the Dodgers will and the A's. So this may continue into next season should there be an opportunity for the Yankees or Red Sox to play the Astros. But for now, you just saw my whole thought process, by the way. If you're watching on YouTube on Nothing Personal with David Sampson video channel, then please subscribe. You just saw how my brain works. I talked myself through it. This should be it. There should be no more brawls. And if I'm the commissioner, I do a little memo right now, a quick two-paragrapher, because I was holding my breath, realizing some of the stuff that was going to happen with the Astros, but that's enough. Gnug, it's enough. A quick two-paragraph memo, reiterating no brawls, showing the health and safety protocols, and saying examples will be made of coaches, managers, and executives. How about players opting out? We're going to get to baseball injuries in a bit, but I want to talk about players opting out because it makes me furious. And the reason I'm furious is that baseball made a mistake and we knew it was coming. You can't not, mm, I hate double negatives. It is imperative to give a deadline when you're dealing with something like an opt-out, the way the National Football League did. Because if you don't give a deadline the way MLB did not, then you are subject to players deciding at any given moment that they've had enough. Was it news to anybody that Marcus Stroman opted out from the rest of the Mets season? Let's talk about Marcus Stroman for a minute the great guy, Marcus Stroman, who everybody loved, the great acquisition at the trade deadline last year for the Mets, who they then kept even though he only had one year left till free agency this year. What a great job by Brody Van Wagenen to keep the team together. Syndergaard, DeGrom, Stroman, Mats, the murderer's row of pitching. It's turned out to be absolutely nothing. DeGrom, of course, is a multiple Cy Young Award winner. Syndergaard's on Tommy John. Steven Matz can't get me out. And Marcus Stroman hurt his calf. We're going to talk about injuries. He hurt his calf. And then, just yesterday, he gets in front of the camera and he says the following. After much contemplation and much discussion, and I'm paraphrasing here, with my family associates, and close friends. I've decided to opt out of the rest of the Mets season. Maybe I'm scared to go to Miami because they're COVID central there. But I think 
the best move is not to play. Excuse me, Marcus, how's your calf doing, by the way? Is this because of your calf? He was asked. His response was pretty telling. Calf? My calf's great. I pitched five innings of a simulated game. I got no problem. I'm ready to roll. Oh, so this is COVID-related, not injury-related. Well, yes. Is there anything else you'd like to say, Marcus? Anything? Marcus, I've got a question for you. This is David Sampson with Nothing Personal. Marcus, are you aware of your service time going into the season? Marcus, what was your service time? Oh, I don't focus on that. Marcus, you know you're going to be a free agent at the end of this season, right, Marcus? Oh, yes, of course. I was, I'm one of the top free agents. I'm healthy and ready to go. Marcus, do you know what it is to be a free agent? What do you need? Let me ask you this, Marcus. What do you need? Oh, um, I don't know. I think I have to be in the league six years. Let me explain to you, Marcus, what you need. You need six years of service. If it takes 10 years to get it, doesn't matter. A year of service is 187 days. 187 days is the number of days in the championship season. If you're on the active roster, the 25-man roster, or you are on the major league injured list for the entire season, you get 187 days, which equals one year of service. Marcus, did you know that? Oh, I don't focus on that kind of stuff. Marcus, let me ask you, what was your service going into this year? Oh, can you tell me? Yes, I can. You were five years, point one forty eight. <gasps> five one forty eight. Wait a minute, David. This is Marcus talking. Does that mean that I only needed to get to five years, one eighty seven, and that would be my sixth year, and I'd be a free agent? Yes, it does, Marcus. What's eighty seven minus forty eight? <gasps> you only needed thirty nine days. I only needed thirty nine days of service. And I'm a free agent. Oh, no. The season just started July 23rd. 4, 29, Marcus, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to help you out. The season started 19 days ago. Marcus, you made the biggest mistake ever. Oh, Marcus, you're so smart. The championship season this year is 67 days. It's not 187 days. <gasps> and each day of the 67 days represents 2.9 days for service time calculation purposes. <gasps> Which means you only needed 13 days to become a free agent. Which means, Marcus, you're now a free agent. Don't tell me you didn't know it. Why can't you take the microphone and be a man? I felt okay. My Achilles was better. My legs felt okay. My calf was good. My arm feels fine. I'm not taking a chance. I don't want to get COVID. I don't want to get hurt. I don't want to suck because spring trading was so short and everyone keeps getting hurt. And by the way, I waited till today because I didn't want to do it exactly when I became a free agent. So I waited 72 whole hours and I didn't think anyone would ask. And no one did. But I did. When we come back, I'm going to dare to dream and then I'm going to get into some injury talk. We'll be right back. 
Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. Welcome back. My name's David Sampson, and this is Nothing Personal on August 11th, 2020. Hey, I got big news from yesterday. Do you remember all the voting you did for the People's Choice Podcast Awards? Guess what? You guys did it. Nothing Personal with David Sampson is a finalist. We have been nominated now, officially. We are in the finals to win the People's Choice Podcast of the Year Award. We made the cut because of people like you voting, all of the loyal listeners, all of you who have made nothing personal what it is. Thank you for doing that. I'm proud. I'm thankful to Matthew Coker, the producer, to Port. I call him Port, so you can call him Port, who gave this show the green light. All of CBS who white knuckles it every day. To all the people in the podcast department from Eric K, not that Eric K from the Angels, a totally different Eric K. The only thing he deals is with podcasts. Other people who have worked with Mike, those videos that you see on Twitter are done by Greg. We've got Mikey, we've got Eric, all led by Coca, who produces this every day. Without them, you guys have no show, mostly without Coca. I'm just here. He winds me up every day. And the loyalty that you've shown got us nominated to be podcast of the year. And I will give you my acceptance speech right now saying it is a thrill to be nominated. I don't care if I win. And then I'll tell you my toes are crossed. I'm always honest with you. And being nominated is not enough. I want to win the whole goddamn thing. I am not going to come on here and say, oh, it's so great to be nominated. It's all I could ever want. No, I want to win. But if I don't, I'll promote the fact that I was nominated, that we were nominated. It's definitely not I. It's nothing personal. The group, me and Coca, and the other people who buttress this show. But yeah, but it's out of your hands. There's no more voting. Now it's a committee of people who will listen to each of the final nominees and then make their decision. Of course, I have no idea when, but we'll stay in touch. So with everything going on, as you know, part of nothing personal, I'm still going to watch a movie every day. And I watched a movie. It's a new, brand new movie. I spent $19.99 to watch a movie called The Secret, Dare to Dream. It's like based on the self-help book that was made famous when Oprah Winfrey made it like the book of the day or the book of the month or the book of the year. And it's got all these platitudes about self-love. And hey, if you want pizza, then just close your eyes and say pizza. Put it in the universe and you'll get pizza. You want a pony? Don't you worry. I want a pony. You want a pretty little pony? The movie called The Secret Dare to Dream is with Tom Cruise's third wife, ex, Katie Holmes. It's with Josh Lucas from Sweet Home Alabama, who I loved in Sweet Home Alabama. This movie stunk. It's one ridiculous line after another that makes you feel like they pulled out the self-help little ditties and there was no Jack and there was no Diane to be found. 
They were ditties about what the universe can give if you're just positive and anything that can go wrong will go wrong. It reminded me of a Nicholas Sparks movie that I wanted to love. I wanted the romance of it. I wanted to believe that Josh Lucas and Katie Holmes could find themselves and be in love, even though it was a poor knockoff of Bounce with Gwyneth Paltrow and Ben Affleck, which is a great movie if you haven't seen it. The whole mystery surrounding why Lucas, why Holmes, why do they meet? How do they meet? All in the backdrop of Louisiana during a hurricane, no less. You got to have the hurricane because you have to have tension and then an accident and then something to repair and then a man in a tool belt and then a kiss at a Waffle House. Come on, man. I miss Ryan Gosling and James Garner and Ellen Burstyn and Rachel McAdams. I miss you guys so much. Love you guys. The total amount of tears shed by me, zero. The total amount of laughs, zero. The total number of smirks, 10. Other things I could have done with my $19.99, plentiful. The secret, dare to dream that the movie could have been better. (sighs) Nothing personal pick of the day. I lost yesterday. I'm sorry. I try to pick a game that makes sense to me. Dustin May, I keep forgetting that betting in the time of COVID is hugely problematic. But I will mention this. Dustin May pitched a hell of a game, but the Dodgers lost to the Padres 2-1. to I'm now 3-6. and Guess what tonight is? Please watch the first game in Buffalo since 1915. It's the first one. The first professional game, I mean, of course. The Marlins are playing the Blue Jays. Ryu, their new free agent acquisition, is starting for the Blue Jays. These are two franchises who have great stories this season. The Marlins are still in first place in the NL East. The Blue Jays have been on the road and will continue to be on the road because their home games are now in Buffalo. I like the fact that they just put Blue Jays logos everywhere. They're in Buffalo. I like Buffalo. It's fine. But it's not Toronto. Tonight, Ryu will find a way to win a game. Some of the luster will fall off the Marlins as they lose the adrenaline from their return to play in that great four-game sweep of the Orioles and then winning the first game of the Mets series before they lost the last two. They will come down to reality. The Blue Jays will believe that they've clicked their heels and that there's no place like home. Blue Jays, nothing personal pick of the day. I want to end the show with another comment on injuries. And the reason I keep bringing it up is that not enough people are listening and decisions are being made not in the best interest of the player and not in the best interest of the business. And when you as a team president can find a way to make a decision that's both good for business and good for the player, that's sort of a no-brainer. That's the non-Mount Rushmore decision-making tree from page 12 of the Leadership Handbook that when you can do something that's actually good for everybody and for money, you do it. It's when it's good for money and bad for people or good for people and bad for money that you actually have to start earning your salary as team president. Just yesterday, Madison Baumgartner, Pitcher, free agent acquisition, who I told you last year on Nothing Personal and on the queue that Baumgartner was nothing but a middle-of-the-rotation guy. Not old, but he's just thrown a lot of pitches. He's been less than a batting practice pitcher so far this season. The Diamondbacks are despondent beyond repair. But what do you do 
when your best free agent signing can't get anyone out? It's simple. You put them on the IL, the injured list. Baumgartner had back spasms. He's on because of his back. What do you do if you're the Tampa Bay Rays and you're counting on Charlie Morton to get you in front of the Yankees to catch the Yankees? What do you do? You pitch him until he stinks, and then, ooh, shoulder. His shoulder hurts. He's on the IL. Giancarlo Stanton strained his hamstring. Grade one strain. Aaron Boone came out and said three to four weeks for Stanton. A terrible blow for the Yankees. They should be able to survive it, but having him in the lineup makes it better. There have been 56 pitchers put on the injured list since the season started, not for COVID reasons. Does that mean anything to you? Well, let me give you a context. In 2018, the number was 18, let's say. In 2019, the number was 24, let's say. Pick any two numbers you want for 2018 and 19 after regular spring training. Add them up, and they won't get you to the 56 pitchers on the IL right now. This is bad for business. Rushing to start playing, going through a quick spring training, doing live BP immediately, having these pitchers because every game is 2.7 games, having them go deeper than they should, having them get hot, which is the expression for being ready to go faster than they needed. You're going to get injuries to the shoulder, the elbow, the head, the shoulder, the knees, the toes. That's bad business. I told you about the sheet I had with disabled list, which was then called the DL. Now it's the IL. The list of money being paid to players not to play. I am begging Major League Baseball that when you are thinking and planning and thinking about your season and thinking about rescheduling games and trying to get 60 games in 55 days and now 55 games in 49 days, the Cardinals may have to play 55 games in 28 days. You have got, you have got to look out for the players because healthy players are good for business. Don't forget that it's nothing personal. Have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast.